This is not your mother's middle age. No longer is waking up each day, living the wash, rinse, and repeat cycle acceptable. We have the life lessons, the relationships, the wins, and the losses with which to navigate to our highest self without hesitation and without fear leading the way. We have been there and done that, and so we have so much to offer the world and each other. So join me on this journey speaking to ordinary women doing extraordinary things for new insights, new ideas, new medical breakthroughs, and new life lessons. You will be inspired to find your best life here and now. My name is Wendy Charles McGuire, and this is your Second Wind Podcast. Here we are, Second Wind, and I have a really neat conversation for you today. It's not the normal. It's a little different, but it's something that I am so excited to share. I'm bringing you back to an episode that aired June 25th, 2021 called I've Always Wanted a Sister with Corey Custer. Corey Custer, now Corey Lovejoy, is my biological full brother who was coming out as a transgender woman when we first met. And I'm bringing you this episode now to review all of that and all of the twists and turns. And the next week is the new episode that we just did about where Corey is now after having the assignment surgery and all of the things that have happened with that, that Corey is not actually getting divorced right now. And Corey's looking for a job and all of the things that come with that. And then society and how we deal with this. It's, we're, it's something different, right? So how do we handle the differentness? And uh, it's, it's very enlightening. Corey does a great job. Corey is very eloquent and speaks so well and is so knowledgeable. So I'm really excited to bring you this first episode that was done June 25th, and then to have you listen next week to where we're at now. So enjoy the episode. I don't know if any of you know, but I am adopted. Uh, the question is, have you always known? And yes, I've always known. My parents did a great job in making sure that I felt special and picked and chosen and all of that. And I had a great life, but I always wanted to know, what did my mother and father look like? Did I have any siblings? You know, what, what would my life might have looked like, looked like, but I didn't really start searching, searching till about 18 years old. Well, I am now almost 56. So I have been looking for years and years and years. I even hired a private investigator who after 10 years saying, I almost figured it out. I almost figured it out. Your files are the biggest files. Died and left me nothing. So I'm sorry he died, but I lost all that money. Then I just kind of went on a quest about two summers ago, and it will be two summers ago this summer of 2021. I said, I've got to be able to do this. People can find people. And I actually took a 23andMe test. And that sort of opened the doors. And I started writing letters to all these fourth and fifth and sixth and seventh cousins 
not knowing all the names, not knowing how to connect them, but going on old library records and going to city hall. And no, I knew I was born in Rochester and I did all this research. My husband started getting on gravesite websites. There's all kinds of stuff out there. If you look, I had a friend that had some programs that she could look into genealogy and stuff. And eventually I had a, a hit on 23 and me from a first cousin, once removed, maybe second cousin. And I just started hounding her and I'm, I'm not going to ruin anybody's life. I just want to know. I'm like a flower that's been picked in and I'm in a vase with no roots. So how do, can you help me? Is there anything you can tell me? And eventually she said, okay, I think I know how I can help you. Just give me some time. She did. And eventually she got in touch with my biological mother's sister's and they eventually told her and I sent pictures and then we got in touch with each other. Awesome. Found my mother. My biological father had died in his 40s in a plane crash, tragically. But I was good. I was good. I had a mother and I was going to get pictures and we had started talking. And I actually went to Bozeman, Montana. My husband said, could she live any further away from Georgia? Probably not. But I went to Bozeman with Frank and had a lovely time and I didn't expect anything and it was fabulous. I just took it in for what it was. And she let me know that I have two full brothers, but she didn't really want me to get in touch with them. And I, and I didn't really know why. And I respected that. But then after a little while, I was kind of like, you know, I'd really like to talk to my brothers. I'd really like to meet them. And she said, well, you can, you can do that if you want. Just leave me out of it. I said, okay. But then um, there were some traumatic things going on in her life. And I didn't, I didn't go gung-ho looking for my brothers because I thought, well, I don't want to add any stress to her just in case something goes sideways. And then one of my brothers, she told me, was going through a transition. I didn't really know what that meant. And then I started searching. I said, well, maybe I can find my brothers on Facebook and I can just kind of like reach out that way. And I found my brother, Corey, and started stalking, didn't really do anything, didn't say anything, didn't know when the right time was to say anything. And then I saw that Corey had an Instagram, Corey Lovejoy. And then I was like, oh. I get what this transition thing is. Wow, this is a second win story for sure. If for no other reason, I need to get in touch with Corey to be on the Second Win podcast because talk about shifting, talk about taking your reality, flipping it upside down, putting it in a mixer and coming out the other end. And I... I said that I'm just going to see if maybe Corey wants to be on Second Win the Podcast and see where it goes. So I sent a little message on Instagram. I think I DM'd you. And I, I said, hey, I've got this podcast. I know you want to grow your audience. I love what you're doing. Would you consider being on my podcast? And Corey wrote back, I'd love to. That sounds great. And we arranged a phone call the next day. Corey, what happened? Well, well, first I should say, 
Welcome to the podcast, Corey Lovejoy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I've been really looking forward to this. Well, so I get this call, you know, as um, we'd arranged and we talked for half an hour, a full freaking half an hour about your pre-call stuff (laughs) and the podcast and everything. And, you know, I feel like we were just about to wrap up and you said, you know, I want to be fully transparent here. And that's when you told me the story that you basically just told the audience just now. And I, oh, wait, I said, I said, we know someone in common. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that was, yeah, I mean, that, that's right. I, I should tell that because you didn't just like come out and say, Oh, by the way, you, you did this whole like cat and mouse thing. This game of questions. <laughs> she said, so Second wind audience, you got to know what she did here, which I think was pretty funny in <laughs> hindsight. But uh, anyway, so she said, well, at, she just said, in the interest of full transparency, I want you to know that I didn't just find you randomly. We have a mutual acquaintance. And I was like, OK, cool. Kind of waiting for her to say who it was. And then she said, but here's the thing. This mutual acquaintance doesn't want to know about our connection in this and the, the connection to her. And I'm like, whoa, 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 girlfriend, stop right there because um, no, no, you can't do that. You can't like say something like that and expect me not to, to uh, take the bait. And, uh, and I, I expect you to completely spill your beans right here. I'm going to, I'm going to go fly to Georgia and, and figure it out. But <laughs> I don't think, I don't think you got on the call expecting to tell me, did you? I mean, that's the way you, I had no expectations. Yeah, just were like if it if it feels right or whatever, and then I like I think you maybe even part of you thought that you might have to just or you could get away with just sort of saying, "Hey, I I I you know we're not it's not random that I found you you know we I know I know so many common but yeah I didn't have it scripted out, Corey. I just was like going like everything else. I just hit it, hit the go button, see what happens. Yeah, yeah. Well, so I was, I mean. I was floored, but mostly I was ecstatic. I was ecstatic for two reasons. Um, one, I had always wanted a sister. And this is part of something that we'll talk about, I'm sure, which is my um, transition. I'm a trans woman. I was assigned male at birth. And we'll can, we can talk more later. But, but part of this was just always wanting a sister. And yeah, that was the first thing you said. Like, I finally dropped the bomb. I finally said, well, and I said, I was born to a woman named and my father's name was this. And there was dead silence. I said, well, it was 1965 in Rochester, New York. Dead silence. And then you go, I always wanted a sister. And I said, oh, well, that went well. <laughs> that could have gone a million different ways, but but you said that, and I was just like, "Oh my God, this was it. This was the right time." The other thing I was ecstatic about was the timing, because as I, I mean, I love you, and and you know, I've like we've spoken, I think, every day 
I remember after a few days, I said, oh, I won't talk to you every day. I promise I won't call you every day. And then the next day I called you. I'm like, okay, I can call. I'm going to call you every day. Like, we get <laughs> and to. I said, that's fine. Yeah, we've I got said, time to make fine. up. So so I'm excited to get some wisdom from my older sister. And I love you. And I've loved all this, this, um, you know, this connecting we've, we've done. But, the, but what I'm excited about is to have an older sister who's wiser and can you know, teach me some things. I, I consider my life girl school. And, um, you know, I need teachers. I need teachers. There's nothing that you learn as a 48-year-old male. There's nothing that you learn growing up in this society as a male that really prepares you for um, living as a woman. The other thing that I am so, was so ecstatic about then, and I just am more and more astonished the more I think about it, it's just the timing. Because there's not, I cannot think of a more important time in my life to have a sister. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like, this is the the universe just, I feel like completely had my back on this one. And you showed up at a really, really low point in my journey. But let me take you back to the, the journey. So yeah, I was born the third of three children to our parents and, and assigned male at birth and <laughs> grew up um, doing various things and and uh, had a you know successful career in financial services um, had a, a wife of, of uh, almost 20 years at that point and two beautiful children there's always it's always hard for me to figure out where to tell this story because I'm gonna always have to come back and fill in the pieces but I'll just okay. I'll tell you that what I told you which is where I usually start the story is um, after years and years of deep meditation practice and what I call, you know, um, personal self-discovery and introspection. Uh, I started to do uh, plant medicine ceremonies, song circles. And at one of these um, that I did in Utah with a buddy, I got what I call a download, calm downloads from the universe. They may be my subconscious. They may be, you know, God, uh, I don't know, but I call them, uh, I call them uh, downloads from the universe and, and they're brilliant and they serve me really well. But I've, I've gotten a number of these in various settings and I got one of these that's a Jura girl. You're a girl. You're a girl. And it hit me like a, you know, Mack truck. Yeah. What do you say? Because- like you, 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 I mean, I've never done one of these ceremonies, but you come out of it eventually and you're now sitting with this information, this download. And I would be like, what are, what is happening? Like, I don't even know. I was, I mean, it definitely, it it definitely was, um, it was not clear what this meant by any stretch of the imagination. Um, uh, As part of the ceremony, um, you know, I got a little more vision, you know, there, there, the, the, there were pieces of my life that started to make sense, started to, you know, started the patterns started to emerge. The picture started to emerge. The pieces, of the puzzle started to fall in place just almost immediately. The minute I, I got this kind of download and said, you know, I just considered it, like just started to like, I didn't know what it meant. Like, I didn't know if this was some of the, I think some of the downloads I get are very much metaphors. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know, do you mean literally a girl? Like, or is this a metaphor? Like, and so it took a while to unpack it. But, um, but when, you know, when I came out of it, I even already started to like recognize some things that had happened that said the ways that I thought about myself 
in the past that that started to make sense. So um, probably the biggest thing is that um, I've always wished I was a girl. For as long as I can remember, that's like my, my, the only thing that I was ever conscious of regarding um, being trans is that I just wanted to be a girl. Like I just, you know, little kids, other little boys, I should say, um, you know, wish they could be, you know, wanted to be race car drivers when they grew up, wish they could be astronauts or whatever. I wanted to be a girl. And um, needless to say, I'd never said anything. I mean, that to me, you know, like not only was that not okay, I didn't feel safe in my, you know, um, family unit. I didn't feel safe in, in the culture and where I was living. Like, no way. I mean, that's the, the when I grew up, where I grew up, you know, on the playground, the worst thing a little boy could say to another little boy is you're a girl. Oh, you're yeah. Girl. You're acting yeah. like a girl, right? Mm -hmm. That was the, you know, and that was like, that would just created a lot of shame for me. of just like, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? Why do I, why do I wish I was a girl? And I would just, you know, ignore it. And if, if I kept myself busy enough and distracted enough, then it wouldn't bother me. You said you distracted yourself by excelling in things, right? Just like staying busy. Athletics. Staying busy. Yeah. Yeah. Athletics. I was a cross country ski racer and I, I trained to an extreme in that. And then when I got into business, um, you know, I did that to an extreme. Everything I do is, is, uh, seems to be to an extreme. And I think a lot of that is, is driven by just like trying to fill this hole that, um, that could only be filled one way. And, mm -hmm. um, and that's to sort of recognize, you know, my identity, um, uh, and accept myself at this very core fundamental level. So, so, um, all that started to make sense, but it wasn't like, you know, the light came on and it was like, oh, goody, I'm trans, you know, like that's what's going on here. Because, um, you know, as I wrestled with this, you were a girl, um, you know, it just, it wasn't straightforward. I didn't think, oh, I'm trans. That took a while because as I, as I started to think about this, you know, the, the, my story did not resonate with what I understood the typical trans story or other, other trans um, women's stories. I didn't feel like I was a woman in a man's body. I never felt like really that there was anything necessarily feminine about me other than this is a really strong desire to be a woman and this very strange attraction to the feminine that like really, really pulled at me. And so, um, you know, so I didn't like immediately think, oh, this download from the universe means I'm trans. I'm a transgender woman. Um, but eventually I came to the conclusion, oh, I must be trans. And, and uh, you know, ultimately it was really logical. I mean, I could, the, the, the evidence was from my perspective that I was either a mentally ill, cisgender, heterosexual man, because I just had this pathology, this mental illness where I've just, I wished I was a girl. I don't know. I mean, it seems oh, you toy enough. you you actually kicked that. Oh yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of the narrative I lived under. That's kind of the narrative I, I lived by and I'm like, okay, huh. well, I didn't you know, know I just, I, I thought, just thought something was wrong with me and it's like, mm. and it was very shameful to talk about. And I wasn't going to talk about it. I never told anyone. I didn't even write in my journals 
which were private journals. I wish I'd be, I wish I was a woman or I wish I could be a woman. I didn't even like dare to utter it. I barely uttered. I didn't even really utter it to myself. Barely. Wow. It was so hurtful and so shameful and just, it just felt so wrong. So there's one alternative. The other alternative as a perfectly normal trans woman. Um, but that process of, of, you know, the download to accepting myself as a trans woman and coming out as trans was a little over a year. And that the first six months was like a decline that brought me to the point of suicide to the point where I don't know how close I was, you know, no, I don't know that anyone can ever really say how close they were, but I know that my conversation with myself went from not if I could kill myself, but how. And so that aye, felt aye. like, you know, that felt like a, you know, I, I'd had those thoughts before, mostly when I was younger, but um, that felt like a new level. And that Wait, was Corey, around, let me ask you a question. Yeah, when you're saying yeah. you're, when you're saying you you were declining for those first six months. Now, what year was this? 2019? This is 2009. No, this is 2000. And, um, yeah, 2019. Okay. okay. Yeah, and, yeah. Sorry. So yeah, you're saying if you're declining, what what is that declining? Like, what is that? Yeah. Mean? Yeah. So, um, at, you know, on the surface, ostensibly, my life stayed the same. I still had my job. I still had my nice house in Seattle, my marriage, my kids. Everything seemed to be humming along. But inside, I was unraveling. I was really? just I was waking up. I was waking up to this reality because, you know, the alternatives were, you know, either alternative was not pretty, you know, like, OK, well, I'm mentally ill, um, you know, cisgender heterosexual man and not making really any progress on healing myself because this just seems to be getting worse. This idea, like just my mental health seemed to be getting worse. My depression seemed to be getting worse. And so, and I was, you know, I was trying everything. I was meditation. I was seeing a therapist, like uh, I was doing these plant ceremonies and it, and I just, you know, I did a, this hole that was inside of me just seemed to be getting bigger. And, and on the one hand, I was at like the pinnacle of like success in a lot of ways in terms of like my profession. I mean, I had a great job. I was the director of compassion in a wealth management company. Director of compassion in a wealth management. Yeah. And that's a whole nother, you know, that's a whole nother story. And like, that yeah. was like a very envious role and it was a very fun role and it allowed me a lot of freedom. And I had, a, it was like my dream job. Yeah, you did a lot, a lot of, of public speaking. A lot of public speaking. That's what your your our mother sent me a video of you doing one of your speaking gigs, and you're yeah, in a so, suit and you're doing your thing. And I was like, "What? I have a very smart brother." <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. So you know, so on on that on sort of on the surface, everything was great, but but I'm like, I'm not getting any closer. Like I'm just the more it seemed like almost the more success I had. In that life, it seemed the like further the, you... the deeper the hole, yeah, the bigger mm -hmm. the hole. So I felt like I've described this as like my life just kind of fell apart, but it was like a hollowing out from the inside. Like this hole just got so big. Can you but describe what that feels like? What that just, hole feels it's like? Well, for me, it was never being satisfied, no matter how things good things got, no matter how much success I got, just always running and going to the next thing. And just like mm -hmm. never being, but, you know, and, but also never just being comfortable in my skin, never just being able to sit and relax and be with myself. Oh my gosh. I really hated myself. Yeah. It's exhausting. 
I really hated myself. I really disliked myself. Um, you know, that's a, that's a thing. I mean, that's, you know, I think why suicide and attempted suicide rates are so high among trans people, um, because of the, you know, the, the gender dysphoria and the body dysmorphia and, and, you know, the, the, the consequences of trying to be, you know, square peg in a round hole fit into these gender norms and these social roles that are, you know, socially constructed that don't feel authentic. And it just, and so the more I built up this artifice, the more, of course, it tugged at like who I really was. But the alternative was, okay, I'm trans. Well, that didn't seem particularly appetizing either. So I really felt like I was stuck between it, like, really, because, you know, the mental model I had, like, you know, I, I saw men, I should say, I saw male-bodied people in the streets of Seattle dressed as women, you know, who were like, you know, clearly mentally ill, screaming, you know, this like down and out, like, you know, sleeping on the streets, you know, tripping out. That was the image I had of what that meant. Yeah. Yeah. That's where my, my, I tend to catastrophize in my mind, which is part of like how I can get myself into these like depressive spirals, but I tend to catastrophize and that's kind of where my mind immediately goes. Okay. I start to, and then I start to think like about gender affirming surgery. I didn't think myself, like, I didn't think I would be attractive. I think I would be this ugly freak. And it's like, that's not for me. Like I just, I looked at transgender women and I saw no way, no way. Like I, I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do the surgery. I can't do all that. Um, the only thing that got me excited about was about it was the clothes actually. Um, was I that always, your only like respite from all of that was like putting on women's clothes? Yeah, that's what, yeah. so, you know, when I first started to explore this with my therapist, she's like, you know, and I wasn't saying I was trans. I was just saying, you know, I have this like strong feminine energy, this strong tug towards, towards the feminine. She's like, well, how can you express that? How would you like to express it? And I'm like, well, the only thing I can think of expressing it is my clothes, like in clothing, because I really like women's clothes. And, you know, I kind of wish that I could wear some of these clothes, they look really comfortable. And uh, they just like, there was some strange draw I had to women's clothes. So I started to, you know, on her encouragement, I started to like, dress in someone's clothes. I have a really good friend that took me to a consignment store and I bought a skirt and I bought an outfit. And I put it on and it felt amazing. Wait, I have to ask you a question. Yeah. So you go to this consignment shop to buy a woman's, your first, right? Women's outfit. When you're going to pay for it, what were you, I can only imagine. Oh, I'm scared as fuck. This whole yeah. thing is like, look, this, can, I'm sorry if I shouldn't be. It's okay. It's done. It's been done before. We're good. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, you can't, I can't tell you how terrifying this terrifying. whole process was for me. And that there's a point that I, I want to share too, because. I think this is relevant, especially for, for your listeners and, and people making or contemplating trans uh, transformation or transitions in their life. Um, I got another download when I was, uh, the night I was thinking seriously about how I was going to kill myself. Mm. And the download said this, it said, Corey, you're clearly not afraid to die. Because I was thinking, I felt like I was very cool and calculated about my like I was thinking about, okay, the insurance, like are my things in order? Like what's the best way to do this so that it's not traumatizing to my children? Like, I mean, as, as sick as it was, as, you know, as wrong as it was, I was very 
calculating about it. There was a calculus I was doing. But anyway, the universe said, well, and I did not feel fear. That's the mm -hmm. thing. I did not feel fear. So um, it was just a matter of how I was going to do this. Um, I felt compassion. I felt love. I felt like I didn't want to, um, uh, you know, burden my family. But I thought that just I'm going to just make a mess, but I'm going to make the least mess I could possibly can. And hopefully wow. leave my campsite cleaner than, than I found it. Jeez. But so the universe said to me, clearly, you're not afraid to die, Corey. Why are you afraid to live? And that lit a spark because it was, it was, I was afraid. I was afraid AF to really say I'm trans and live with what that means. And, and, and what is like, because if I'm, if I'm, if I'm a woman, like I'm going to be like, I'm a woman. And I, when I first started to transition, I kind of, I would kind of like tiptoed around this. I'm like, oh, maybe I'm just non-binary you know, maybe I'm gender, you know, gender fluid, maybe I'm what, you know, gender, non-binary, gender fluid, trans femme. And I tried to, I tried to take on all these adjectives. Um, but what I do know is I would continue to do these things that I was afraid of, um, buy a dress, go out in public in a dress, grow my hair long, put on fingernails, you know, these sorts of things. And um, I loved it. And I just, it, it's, it just started to fill me up and I could, I knew it was more than just the clothes. I knew it. I mean, you know, there are cross-dressers. There are people that like to cross-dress and, and I think that's totally cool. And I think that, um, you know, should become, um, you know, more normalized, but, but for me, it was, it was and I considered that I consider, well, maybe I'm just a cross-dresser and you know, I, I considered everything, believe me, I looked at everything. But, you know, finally just accepting that I'm trans, the more I took these steps, the more I leaned into this like terrifying feeling and then seeing the feeling I got, the affirmation I got. I remember one time, I one of the very first times I went out in public in a dress with my friend and I'm walking down the sidewalk and we're walking by this building with reflective windows and I look over and I see myself in a dress and I'm like, and I looked good. I'm like, I turned to my friend, I said, you know, that's the first time I've ever seen my reflection and thought to myself, I'm good. In your whole life? In my entire life. Oh my gosh. Because now you're like 49 yeah, now? now. So this is now this is last summer, right? So, okay. So last 2009, summer. so summer of 2019, which is, in, you know, sort of synchronistically around the time. It's around the same find, time. You I find found, out I exist. Yeah. I, you know, I don't think that's any kind of a coincidence personally, not from my perspective. So and then, wow. so then that's like December, January of 2020 last year. Um, and then I start to, and then I start to come out and I start to come out to my friends. I start to like um, wear women's clothing. I start to, um, you know, I get to August. I start to um, uh, uh, take um, hormones HRT, hormone replacement therapy. So I started to physically transition in August. In September, I came out publicly on LinkedIn. And then um, it's just been, um, you know, girl's school ever since. And the reason I call it girl's school, and this is a really important part of the story, I think, is that when I came out, I was surrounded by an amazing community of friends. I have a, a, a lot of great friends, both in Seattle and around the country and really around the world. 
And they were all very, very supportive of me. And they said, you know, congratulations. We love you no matter how you show up, which was exactly their right answer. But one of my friends, Kate, um, who you know now, Wendy, said to me, she said those things. And then she said what was um, life-changing, which was like, honey, you've got work to do. We got to mm. figure that, you know, I'm going to help you figure this out. She didn't say that, but she just like something inside of her just clicked. She would be a really interesting person to have me on your podcast too, by the yeah. way. But yeah. she's an amazing, amazing woman, amazing story and many transitions. And um, anyway, she invited me out to Salt Lake City and I spent a week with her and her husband and she put me to girl school. We called it girl school. She did my nails. She took me to her um, hairdresser, hairstylist. She took me to esthetician. I got waxed. I got a facial. I got my eyebrows plucked and I got my eyelashes permed. And I got to dress however I wanted all the time. And I just, and affirmed and supported. And I have two other really good friends here um, in Salt Lake City. And, and um, you know, of course we're in the middle of the pandemic, but I joined their kind of quarantine bubble. And, um, and that was awesome. And I went back to Seattle and I was miserable. Came back to Utah for a month and was um, back uh, healing and feeling good and, and moving down this journey and went back to Seattle and was miserable and finally just decided to, to move to uh, Salt Lake City. And that kind of all this time, meanwhile, um, I am, you know, my, my marriage is uh, disintegrating. I'm getting myself addicted to uh, pot because that's the only, I mean, that it served me in many ways, both in the sort of physical pain I was feeling, in the mental pain I was feeling, and then just like as a way to check out and mm -hmm. numb through this process. So um, needless to say, that wasn't great for my, uh, my family. And so um, I'm now separated from my wife. I live in Salt Lake City, and um, I have since just before Christmas. And my kids um, are in in Washington with uh, my wife, soon to be ex-wife. We're in the process of getting a divorce. So, um, you know, I was thinking about this this morning, Wendy. You know, I was thinking, oh gosh, most of your guests are, you know, I would think sort of, you know, on the other side of these transitions, and, and I still feel like I'm really very much in the middle of it. In fact, oddly enough, I feel like all this work, all this struggle. And it has been a struggle, believe me. Um, and I am only at the trailhead. Yeah. Because it turns are. out that, that um, you know, presenting feminine, presenting as a woman is, um, it's, it's hard as fuck, believe me, it's hard. <laughs> like, I, I believe it takes, I, 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 I mean, it's a crazy, you know, because I, my view of, feminine dress and feminine clothing is very traditional. Like I love the heels. I love the makeup. I love the style. I love the long nails, the jewelry, all this stuff. And it, it's just like, it's been this just incredibly steep learning curve to do the makeup and get ready on time and the nails and trying to do things with the nails. And, you know, just it's crazy, crazy amount of work to present in the way I want to present as, as very feminine and as hard as that's been, and as, as much as it's cost me um, in terms of like my professional life and in a lot of my relationships, um, 
I feel like I'm just at the trailhead because the external stuff's easy. Even the surgery right. doesn't, even the surgery, I'm contemplating bottom surgery. That's something that I'm, I'm going to be moving forward on. And I'm contemplating, you know, facial feminization surgery. Um, you know, think about like breast augmentation and sort of these things, like as I contemplate all that and talk to the doctors and, you know, I, as difficult as I know the physical recovery will be, I still know that that's, that's the easy work. The hard work is, you know, changing this self image that I have that says, and, and changing the soft, the, the, the talk track that runs constantly in my head that says, you know, I'm ugly. Um, I'm a freak. I don't belong, you know, um, you know, uh, I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. Um, that's where the real journey is. And that's the journey of, of course, self-love and self-compassion, which, uh, coincidentally, uh, I talked a lot about as when I was presenting male and in my former life. And yeah, so that's, that's, what's so interesting about this is that you were sharing that information as a male to everyone around you. And, and now you need your own, you need yourself to talk to yourself the way yeah. you were talking to others. I knew I needed self-love. I mean, I yeah. knew that I knew that was a gap. And I knew that I was harsh on myself. I talked to myself. I knew I didn't like myself and I didn't love myself. Yeah, but you I told knew me how- you used to compete to like all or nothing because you needed the, the affirmation. I needed the almost. approval. I needed yeah. the affirmation. I needed the approval. That's, that's, you know, like when you don't love yourself, you're going to love, you're going to seek it. You know, if you don't love yourself unconditionally, you're going to seek love in other places and from other people. And guess what? It's usually going to be conditional from other people, and you, you know, and, and you find it in other things. It's conditional because the material world is in, world is impermanent. There's only one way to find, you know, I think that kind of self love, and that's you know, that's to give it, you know, unconditional love, and that's to give it to ourselves and realize that, you know, that to get to another level spiritually, I happen to believe that, you know, we are the universe. We are the universe mm-hmm. seeing itself and. Uh, we are, you know, as we say, we're the wave and we're the ocean. And and so like self-love is, is loving everybody and being loved by everybody. But anyway, so it is, it is interesting to see that, that I oftentimes think of this, my transition um, as a kind of a, like just another path in this or another part on this journey to loving myself. It just, you know, for me, it just happened to be pretty extreme. We all have, to, I think we all have this work to do to love ourselves because, you know, as little, I think this is what happens here. This is my kind of theory on this is like, you know, we have every human being has these deep psychological needs. One is to be um, accepted and the other is to be um, authentic and to express our individuality and to be ourselves, you know, because we are the wave and we are the ocean. We are collective and we're, but we're also individuals. And so, um, you know, where those things are not mutually exclusive and we can get both of those, we thrive as human beings. That's what, why unconditional love is so awesome. It's like, Hey, I love you, Wendy. Like I love you. And you're, you know, you're part of my tribe and there's nothing you can do or say from this point forward, that's ever going to change that. And there's a freedom that comes from that. And there's a, you know, and then that allows you to blossom and develop. And you can, you know, that's, I think in, in human systems, when we can approximate or give unconditional love, that's when we flourish. That's when we thrive. So you imagine a little kid. Whatever we get back without condition. Yeah. Whatever that looks like. 
whatever that looks like. Mm-hmm. And so, but you know, that's obviously we grew up in, in broken homes and, you know, with, with wounded parents and whatever. And so, you know, at some point we learn as little kids that, you know, our authenticity, you know, I want to be a girl. I, you know, I, our mom tells the story of me um, wanting girls shoes when we went to the girls, the, the shoe store. That's the only thing that when I asked her, that was the only thing that she said that was at all indicative of me being, you know, not your average little normal little boy. The only thing that stands out anyway, like, but, you know, she bought them for me and, and I ran around and outgrew them, but I wasn't in school, you know, and we lived, you know, like, but, you know, you, you know, you can imagine what happens is you start to like do things that are different from the group, the kids, you get to school, you start to express yourself and immediately you get, you get put out of the group, you get shamed, you get bullied, you know, and you real, you slowly learn that it's not okay to be yourself. So it's not okay to show up and be your authentic self in some important way, how you, you know, how you dress, how you speak, you know, and slowly. And so these things become mutually exclusive, the need to be accepted and loved and by the group and, you know, by the people who take care of you, your caregivers and everybody and your family and friends, and the need to express your, your authenticity. And in a slowly where those th- things become mutually exclusive, we pick the safe road, which is to be part of the tribe. And we, we just, sub- you know, sub, um, um, subject or sub, uh, sub, you know, subjugate, I should say our own needs to the needs of the group. And we stop expressing ourselves and slowly our, our piece, pieces of ourselves die. And so we all have that work to do. I guess that was my point. Yeah. We all have that work to do. I just had a big piece of work to do because, you know, gender identity is a very, very important part of our, agen- our identity. I mean, it forms really, really early, as I understand. It's one of the first things you start to understand, you know, men and women and these like there's men and there's women. And, and so that forms really early. That's really, really core in my being. So for me to reconcile that and and live authentically that's going to be pretty disruptive in the outside world, but other people might be doing just as difficult work in loving themselves and transitioning and, and accepting themselves, but it's just not as dramatic on the outside because, yeah. because they are cisgendered and they don't have that misalignment. So let me ask you a couple questions because our, I'm sure our audience is, is wondering as I would be. And as I did, um, so you were living in Seattle, you know, how did you tell your wife of almost 20 years? Hey, I've decided I've got this download. How, how would you tell that to your wife and your kids? Well, I didn't, I didn't do it very well because I didn't um, just kind of blurted out what was top of mind. At the time, when I came out to my friends, I wrote, read from them this journal entry. And that was kind of how I, because I started to explore it open. When I came out to my wife, I didn't say, hey, I'm a trans woman and here's the story. What I came out is like, hey, I'm like, I kind of feel like maybe I should have been born a girl. And that like, you know, that's really how it came out. And um and we were going through a lot of stuff in our marriage and I, you know, this is middle of like this major depressive episode I have too. So like um, it, it was not, it has not been pretty in terms of like how I've handled it. Um, so, I mean, I've lots of, I don't have any regrets for coming out. 
I do have regrets for how I did it in the sense that, you know, I feel like I did the best I could with what I have, but right. now in hindsight, it's like, wow, like, okay, well, that sure was, I don't know, maybe, maybe it could have been cleaner. I don't know. Well, Corey, I have this quote that people hear you from the place in your heart that you speak from. And that's, that's the only place you can speak from and whatever's in your heart at that time. And that's what, that was, that's what was in your heart. Like, and you didn't even know at that point, really what, what the next paver on your path was where it was going to land you. You just didn't know. So yeah. Yeah. What can you do with that? Well, I just, I mean, and you can't know, I mean, I don't think there's, I think that's kind of the definition of these, this transition or these transformations. We call it transition, you know, you transition from one gender to the other, but it's really a transformation. I think transition is too small word. It's a complete and utter transformation. You you said it early on, like, yeah, my life was, you know, shaken up and, you know, the the, the pieces were thrown up. But I mean, I, I just can't describe how disruptive it is to um, make this transition um, in every part of my life. I mean, I mean, my like at the level of my blood chemistry with the hormones and, and just like everything feels different to me. It it feels wonderfully different, but it's also scary. And you never know what those pavers are. I think in real transformation, you don't know what the next step is. I think that like, that's what makes it so tough is it's just, you just don't know. And that's why it just, it's so scary and it requires taking this leap requires community. It requires, you know, being ready because you ultimately always jump. If it's real transformation, you always jump into the unknown. But you and I were talking how to, to really do your, your soul's purpose, your highest self, be in alignment. You have to go ahead and, and take the leap, as you say, or jump off the cliff and know that the universe is there with your safety net. You're not gonna fall. You may yeah. stumble, you may trip, but you're not going to, you're just not going to fall. You're going to yeah. be caught. I think that's great. And, and I mean, I think that if, I think if people can remember that when they do that, that's phenomenal. And I believe you're right. Um, I've, I found though, during my transition, I didn't, I, I don't, I, uh, what happens when I get really, really scared and, um, I'm really kind of facing the unknown. I have, I have a hard time convincing myself that the universe has my back. Yeah. And so I certainly didn't, I just didn't feel that. I mean, it really, it literally feels like I'm, you know, jumping to my death metaphorically. Um, mm. You know, every time I, I take like the next leap, the next one, well, I hit the you... next kind of milestone. So that's a good question. So how do you, how do you keep going? Because I would imagine you've had moments, and we didn't talk about this, but I would imagine you've had moments where you're like, okay, wait, it would be way easier if I just whoop, reversed, went back home, put the dresses away, went back to my corporate job, and just called it a day. I mean, that would be the easy way out, right? You yeah. would be measurable, but if you if you were like, okay, this is too scary, what keeps you moving forward and not, I'm not taking the easy way out. Um, 
it's a it's a commitment. I don't know if it's even a commitment. It's a I know now that um I I have to pursue this alignment. There's no way. I just I can't live. I mean like I literally I'm not I I will live in alignment with my purpose as best as I know it. Okay, I don't say I have perfect like I don't know. I mean I've got some ideas what my purpose are, but it's changing and it's evolving, but like at this point in time, you know, I'm going to live as authentically and in alignment and in congruence with my purpose as best as I possibly can. I don't want to live any way else. So I don't know. Like, I don't know. I, I can't say, oh, this is all going to work out. Like, I don't I don't actually take a ton of salt. I mean, it's good. I, Yeah, when I'm here and everything's great, like, um, it's easy for me to say, the universe has my back, but that doesn't always mean it's going to be easy, right? Like the universe right. could have my back and it could be, you know, it could be a tough road. So the only, the only thing that really, really motivates me is the fact that I'm way more miserable when I'm out of alignment than when I'm in alignment. And yeah. I just kind of tuned into that. And it's like, you know what? I know how that story ends. I know how the story ends when I'm out of alignment. I do that for years in and years out. And I don't know how the story ends when I'm in alignment, but I know that as I keep doing it, year, you know, day in and day out, as I move more and more towards alignment, I feel more and more things start to go my way. I find more and more synchronicities. I find, you know, that I'm happier more and more each day. And I'm, make, I'm finding sisters and I'm finding friends <laughs> and I'm finding like, you know, like doors open where they didn't before. And I'm like, I just, I think I've just like proven to myself experimentally that like, it's like, okay, I'm here. If I move towards alignment or away from alignment, it's like hot or cold, hot or cold. And just keep trying to do that. If I think too far ahead, if I start thinking like, oh, what's it going to be like? Am I going to be able to afford the surgery? Is it going to go okay? You know, I, will I make, cause I want to be a fashion model and a fashion icon and build a styling business. I want to be famous in the fashion and styling world because I love clothing and I think I'm good at it, but I don't know if I'm going to make it. I mean, it seems really an un, un, impossible and infeasible at this point. All I know is that on a day-to-day -day basis, week-to-week -week basis, I have to live in alignment because it just starts to chafe at me and then like, you know, bleed and I start to slowly bleed to death. As Neil Young said, like, it's better to burn out than or blow up than to burn out. It's better to, you know, blow up than to fade away. I can't even remember what he said. <laughs> but he said it well. He said it with style. And so that's just kind of how I feel. I feel like, I don't know. I, I can't tell you this. Like, I have all sorts of theories about the spiritual significance of all this. And for me, this is a spiritual journey. And I have thoughts about all this. But at a very sort of existential level, it just... I feel way, way better when I move in alignment with my truth and when I speak my truth and when I speak and I live open-heartedly and good things, more good things than bad come my way. It, it feels like when I do that. Well, I'll tell you what. So um, last weekend, and we're in now, what are we in, June? 
So the first weekend of June, I, after what, two or three days after saying, Hey, I'm your sister. I jumped a plane and went to visit you in Salt Lake city, just for the heck of it. I mean, why not? I'm 55 years old, going to be 56. I have a brother, sister, sister now, and I need to go meet you. And you uh, obviously are living in alignment because I was floored, like pick my chin up off the floor. Everywhere we went, people loved you. You were like the mayor of Salt Lake everywhere we went. And you just would walk randomly walk up to someone and start a conversation and they just that the energy that you bring to other people is it's so amazing it's bizarre and you know ask me 10 20 30 years ago you know would I have ever been hanging out with somebody considered trans right because the way I grew up if you were different that probably wasn't a good thing Right. And I never really bought into that anyway, but I was so excited to be a sponge and listen and learn. And there's so much more to learn, but the the people you have surrounded yourself with, the level of friends you have who definitely have your back, um, they are exceptional human beings. And you know, I, I don't, I don't leave there worried about how this is all going to turn out. Cause I know that you're living in the present, you're doing the best with what you have, but you're going to keep pushing forward and you're not going to worry about what's happening next. I mean, you left your corporate job. You're living in a, in a little apartment with no internet. You had to borrow your friend's house and you work where now? I work at Nordstrom. I, I, um, in addition to always wanting, so I'm, I'm sort of like, there's all these things that I wanted to do as a girl that I couldn't, that I, that I've, I've started this kind of bucket list now. Um, I always wanted to, I always wanted to be a girl and I always wanted to be a sister, but I always wanted to be a shop girl and work in retail and like, you know, dress, like dress up every day. So I found this, you know, Great company, Nordstrom, Seattle company, but they're super accepting. They hired me. They've all been great. They're wonderful. I love them. I'm at the they same. love you for yeah. sure. I mean, there's, they're awesome. Um, and, you know, as I get affirmed, it's just, it's a cycle, right? It's like the cycle. Like I start to accept myself. I start to love myself. I think I start to, you know, express the joy. I think like my name, I always like to say this, Corey Love Joe. Corey means heart means courage. That's what I think it means to be this fear. It comes from living authentically, living open heart. Like I have to live courageously. I just, I can't not. And then like, and then when you do that, you know, that you, you, you love yourself, you're accepting yourself because it takes real courage to do that. And there's a joy that comes from that. And that joy resonates and uh, people feel that and you get it in return. And so, um, yeah, thank you for that. And it was, it's been really remarkable and I just love, love, love being out in the world as trans, but more than that, I just love finally being out in the world um, more and more as my authentic self. And authentic. Just, and just like, and we shine, we all shine. Like that's what attracts us to people is not their accomplishments or their looks or whatever. You can just like, there's something magical about people who are just, 
unapologetic, I call it unapologetically themselves, where they're just like, you know, like you just meet them and you're their best friend. And there's like, there's no barrier there. There's no filter there. It's just one heart, one soul seeing another heart and soul. That's the best. And I think that's what we're here to learn. I mean, I think that I call it girl's school, but I do believe, you know, spiritually that we're, you know, we're um, souls, um, infinite souls having a temporary human experience. And we came to learn something and we're in school. And I just call it, I like to call it girl's school because that's, you know, I'm at a girl's school. I did always want to go to a, a private girl's school too. That was something I'd always wanted. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so just to be surrounded by girls. Um, so I call it girl's school. I call my life girl's school and all these lessons, there's just lessons in learning how to love ourselves and so that we can love everybody and everything and, and find joy in this human existence, which is, um, I think the point yeah. of it all. And that's the point of second wind too, is to say, okay, you've come this far. Now is the time to put it all together and figure it out and and live with joy and things just don't rattle you anymore you're calmer you you look at the present you're more present and that's what you do you're very present in the moments you're in with the people you're with you're present you're not it's it's incredible just meeting a stranger you're you're 100% present with that person for that for whatever that period of time is and there's there's lessons to be learned from that and that that's you know by getting yourself to where you need to be mentally physically psychologically in the health healthily <laughs> for lack of a better way to say you put that all together and and you can be your highest self and your soul's purpose right and and you do have joy and i love that that's what you're trying to bring to people and you, I want you to share what you shared with me about the style, the styling that you're working with women. And you said it on another podcast, which was one of the main reasons I really want to talk to you because I heard you on this other podcast. And I loved how you shared how interesting of a story it's been going from a man's world to a woman's world and all the differences that there are. And we can go into that another time because That'll be like another hour or more, but um, I want you to share the whole style thing because it is about bringing joy and love to the people you meet. Can you share? Yeah. Um, oh gosh, I have so much to share. There's been so many learnings from girls' school, you know, and and like this going from, I mean, going from, you know, presenting male to presenting female. Um, it's been remarkable and, and the loss of white male privilege, we could do a whole show on that. Yeah. Like, I could, you know, I could go on and on about like what I've experienced now versus, you know, what I've experienced before. And, and I'll just say like, yeah, white male privilege is, is real. And I've been on both sides of it now. Yeah. Um, but I think what you're talking about is, is my approach to style, which I've just kind of discovered, um, so I found that many, many women, well, there's a lot here. There's a lot going on in my head right now. Let's just say that, okay, so I like fashion. Well, first of all, I'll just say that the fashion industry, I, is, you know, I've got a love-hate 
relationship with the fashion industry because I love clothes. I love style. I love all this stuff. But it's, it's it, you know, it's, it's, it's an industry that has a lot of work to do in terms of um, environmental, social justice. And there's just a, there's a ton of work to do. It's a very dirty industry. It's, there's just like, it's typically unethical. If you think of like beauty and the animals and the earth and, mm-hmm. and workers' rights and, and it's just wasteful and, and all this stuff. Not to mention the fact that in the marketing of, you know, beauty and fashion, we've created this, um, you know, idealistic, perfect view of what this, you know, feminine femininity is. And then it's become, you know, women have become, you know, uh, measured against that standard and, and, you know, women have become objectified and that's all become sexualized. So there's just a lot of mess there. Um, and I've had to sort of sort, you know, I'm, I'm subject to that, all, all of that too now. And, and I've just kind of have to sort my way through that. And a lot of my Instagram posts and a lot of my girl school lessons now are about things like, you know, being okay, going out without a bra on or without um, shaving my underarms or whatever. But with respect to style, I've just found that, you know, be, because of the industry and because of the way clothing has been um, used against women um, that I think a lot of women have lost their joy in expressing their femininity. And I think that, you know, on this other podcast, my friend said, you know, her mother who was a staunch feminist said, you know, I think the feminist movement threw the baby out with the bathwater, like feminist movement became anti-feminine, you know, in addition to that male, as opposed to like really celebrating the feminine. And um, anyway, I think say a lot of women have, as a result, have, you know, body issues. They have issues with, with clothing and, you know, it's just, there's so much packed around so many women. And I feel like I've been able to just cut through a lot of that because um, the way I approach style is just to, is through this more of like this, I see style as an opportunity to present, uh, to express your personal power. Okay. Mm. As a, okay. a good friend of mine says, she says, dress to express, not dress to impress. So fashion, I think, is about fitting in. Style is about standing out. And it's like, how do I express myself? Um, uh, how do I want to, you know, how, how can, how can what I put on my body amplify what I'm feeling? I'm at my friend's house right now. You mentioned the internet. He's got two super cute, gorgeous little girls. You've met them, Wendy. They're amazing. Yeah. And they always look fabulous. Yeah. A, they're super cute. That helps, but they always look fabulous because when you're a kid and you're in the right household, they wear what they want to wear, right? They go in there feeling a certain way. They like what they see. They like the way it looks. They put it on. They like the way they feel and they wear what they want to wear. And like, we've lost that. I think so many of us lost it. And I approach it. I approach it that way. So I think that, you know, the way I try to coach women when I'm helping them shop and, and um, find clothing is, you know, get out of your heads. You know, you got to quiet these voices that say, oh, my arms look too fat or, you know, I, I can't wear that or I can't pull that off or, you know, whatever that voice is. And just drop into your body and say, you know, how do I feel when I imagine myself in this dress or this jacket or these shoes or with this makeup on? 
how do I, you know, do I like the way it looks? And then do I like the way it feels? And that's all you need to, that's all you need to know. I like this dress. It is pretty and it feels great. And so enough said. And then like, to me, that's a high level of personal development, attainment in personal development or spiritual development. When you can just, when you feel like you're reflecting on the outside, how you feel that you are on the inside. And I think most of us, we all dress every day. And so I think we can dress consciously in a way that um, amplifies and expresses our differences and amplifies our voice and our personal power and shines our light and use it, use it that way. Or we can just like use it as another way to fit in and play small and hide, hide yeah. with the group and hide with the crowd. Yeah. I'll never forget. You said to me, cause you know, you come to pick me up from the airport and I, I well, so I'm kind of a disappointment for you because you know, I, I, I wear jeans and I wear t-shirts and I don't do my nails cause I do dishes at the restaurant a lot. And I don't have like a lot of jewelry and I don't really wear makeup and I'm just so basic and I really don't like shopping. And do you remember what you said to me? Well, when people tell me they don't like shopping or shopping isn't fun, I just tell them they're doing it wrong. Doing it wrong, Wendy. I said, I am? How's yeah. that? <laughs> you, yeah, you well, come, I always invite people to come. Like, yeah. play dress up. I, I play dress up. I, I get to do that for my work. I get to do that with friends. And, um, you know, there's a joy in I, I just, I just, there's a joy in, in dressing the way you want to dress and whether that's dressed up, like I like to dress up and, you know, but just, but dressing how you want to dress, express the way you want to feel and be who you want to be. And like being able to tune out everybody else. Yeah. Regardless My Instagram of post on. on that is today. I just like, you know, I, I really have, this is a girl's school lesson. It's been hard to learn, but it's really served me really well every single day and day out is I honestly can say that when people stare at me or they give me glances or second looks or whatever, and I get a lot of that, I see a lot of people every day. And um, I honestly believe they're thinking of themselves, I'm gorgeous. Like I've come to convince myself that, of that. And so I, I walk around and, you know, that's part of like why I connect with people and why I'm not afraid to go up to strangers because it's just like, I love connecting with people. I love meeting new people. And so like when you show up just like feeling good about yourself and it's like, I'm gorgeous. I look good. I'm cute as fuck today. You know, whatever that is, or I, you know, I feel, you know, whatever you're, whatever you need to say to yourself to feel good, you know, that shows up and that, that people want to be around you. And then they do, know, and they reflect that back to you and you get to like, amp each other up and lift each other up and vibrate at a higher frequency. You're a people magnet right now. <laughs> so, you know, and I love that. And you were very, you were very kind and understanding with me because the whole pronoun thing, it's tough. Cause you know, I learned I had two brothers. So that was just in my head and I saw you as a man and now you're a woman and I see you as that, but I get, this is, I don't know if it's the societal thing of it and how I say that out loud and, and, you know, all that, I don't know what that is. So I'm working really hard on it. Um, but it's interesting. And, and I think we'll probably have to have a, a, a few more Corey 
conversations, if there's one thing you could share with the second winders, because you are, you're part of the club, my friend, <laughs> my sister, um, one thing in this journey that you've learned that you want to share with the second wind audience, what would that be? First one that comes to your I, mind. I've got to come back to, I just, I've got to come back to courage. Okay. And by courage, you know, the word courage comes from the French, old French word core, which means heart, which means to be open-hearted, which is to say authentic or wholehearted, do stuff wholeheartedly, open-heartedly. And that, you know, um, the courage to just like start to open up, start to test those assumptions, challenge the voices in your head, do the thing that you're scared to do. Um, and you can do it in a safe way. I'm not telling you to go run off a cliff, but just start building your courage muscles to get more and more out of your comfort zone so that you can really be yourself. Um, as, as I said before, you got to be yourself because everyone else is taken. Oh, I love that you're ending with that. I love that. Oh my gosh. How can people follow you? Because that's where the magic is. Like if, if you jump on Instagram and you look yeah, up- jump on Instagram, that's yeah. I'm trying to figure out like everyone else in our generation, trying to figure out the social media thing. It's scary. It's fun. <laughs> but I'm on Instagram. Um, it's at Corey, C-O-R-I dot or period love joy, L-O-V-E-J-O-Y. That's um, we'll share it in the show notes, share it in the short show notes. And then I'm going to figure out TikTok soon. Cause that's, where, soon. that's where the action is right now. Maybe a clubhouse clubhouse. Yeah. Maybe yeah. one of those, we can do that together. And then also if somebody is so inclined that would like to go shopping with you, I know I want you to come to Georgia and we'll go to Atlantic station or bucket or someplace, even just target where my daughter-in-law works. We'll go and you're going to have, we're going to see if you can get me to like shopping and have a style. Oh, that would be fun to do that. That would be like, fun because I don't document have a Document that. Yeah. No, we'll, we'll document that, that out. But yeah, so I, I invite everyone, come play dress up with me. We can do it virtually. Um, yeah, can you do it virtually? You can do so it virtually. Yeah, so we can set up. Yeah, we can set up virtual. Uh, we can do that virtually. We come, you know, come to Salt Lake City, invite me, you know. I'll, you know, a plane ticket and a place to live and I'm, and feed me and I'm happy, you know? So yeah, anyway, I'd love to, I'd love to, um, I'd love to help more and more people, um, live in alignment and it's just clothing is just a part of it, but it's a fun part. It's a part it's a you do part. it every day. It's a part where if you do it right. And if we're all more conscious about how we dress, it can be both good for us personally, but it can also be good for us societally and environmentally, because if we're more conscious about how we're dressed, we can pick, you know, uh, responsibly made and responsibly sourced products. We can, it can feel good. We can move out of these like gender, you know, um, gender norms and, and, um, you know, social conditioning that is, is, is so healthy and unhealthy in a lot of ways. I, I could that. go on and on, but we want to end the show, I think. So, but, but, Thank you so much. People DM you if they want to. They oh, DM you on for Instagram? sure. Reach out. I should say, yeah. Like so, or or email. Email me. Email okay. me. DM me on Instagram. I love. I'll answer any question. You know that, Wendy. Like I'm an open book. I I want to. 
I can be a safe resource to, if you want to ask questions about trans or, you know, anything, ask me because I feel like that's part of my work is just to educate people. And I'm really, I can't, I'm not offended. And yeah, there's no question you can't ask. I yeah, ask there's no you question you can't ask every me. Every question. Yeah. So, and I encourage people to call me because I, I want to be that safe place where people can call and ask, ask questions and say stuff that maybe they weren't able to say or ask someone else. I love that. And that's a, that's I love a people. Answer. So call me. I, 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 I love it. Thank oh, you. great. Well, we'll put all that in the show notes and I will, um, I will be continuing having conversations with you, sister. And uh, I am blessed to have you in my life. And I appreciate your time. Just think it was what a week ago, a week and a couple of days ago that we first talked. It's crazy. All yeah, these yeah, it's not even yeah, not even three weeks that I know you existed. But I'll just tell you in your audience what I tell everybody. I feel like I won the sister lottery. I mean, this could have gone any way. You meet us, you know, you meet a sister and who knows who you meet. You don't get to pick your family. But I honestly feel like I won the sister lottery. You are the perfect sister at the perfect point in my life. And I just love you so much. Even though I've only known you three weeks, I feel like <laughs> I've known you my, not even three weeks, I've known not you my entire weeks. life. And you're just, I, I just, you're such a loving, caring soul. I love you. Oh, I thank, thank you. you so much, Corey. And I just want to say one thing that you said that really made me feel so good. Like when we're walking around and you're, and you're introducing me as your sister, it was so nice to have somebody want me to be their sister. So right back oh, at you, right back oh, at you with the love yeah. and everything. So thank you, my friend. And until next time, breathe in your second wind. Thank you for listening today. I hope that something you heard made you smile, made you think, and made you feel. If these incredible stories empowered you, awakened you, or left you feeling inspired, make sure to share with a friend and write us a review on iTunes so we can continue to change lives through this content. Make sure you tag us while you're listening on our Facebook group, My Second Wind, or hit the link in the show notes to join the conversation. Until next time, go ahead and breathe in your second wind.